0: Before we really get into tonight's show, I'm going to let everybody in on a secret. A secret that we've been trying to tell you about for Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, and now Valentine's Day. It is the most romantic gift you could get your wife or husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever. It's the best Valentine's Day gift ever, especially this year during the pandemic. And I'm talking about MyFrontPageStory.com. Talk to a professional writer about a loved one for 10 to 15 minutes and the MyFrontPageStory.com writer will write the most incredible story about them. There is something truly amazing about saying to someone, I want to do something special for you this year. So I had a story written about you. We're not talking about a box of chocolates. We're not talking about some cheap earrings that you're picking up at the dollar store. MyFrontPageStory.com. The story looks like it is on the front page of a newspaper framed and a lifetime keepsake they will put in their house immediately. It is incredibly emotional, and your partner is going to love it. Bottom line your loved one will cry happy tears and you'll win. That's myfrontpagestory.com. Use code Theory15 for 15% off. Again, that's myfrontpagestory.com. Use code THEORY15 for 15% off. I'm going to tell you right now, they are going to love it.
1: Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty
2: Fantasy Football. With your host John Bauer.
0: I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent.
2: Dan LaMagna.
0: Too much dysfunction in Cleveland.
2: And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory a proud member of the Ross Tucker football podcast network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at the Bauer club. And of course I am joined by Dan LaMagna. That is at FF coach Dan on Twitter. Dan, how were the birthday celebrations on Sunday?
1: It's great to be back with my boys here. You know, I, I pulled it off, avoided the doghouse, the Mrs. 40th birthday uh, party virtually here. So that was a challenge in itself, but pulled it off. Great to be back. And it's it's Super Bowl week. So what a great week to be back. And I'm just thinking about what wings and pizza and food I want to order Sunday. We're ready to go.
0: We have the menu set. We're going to do some buffalo chicken dip. We're going to do some wings. It's going to be great for the diet that I've been talking about. It's gonna be really, cheater. really good. Yeah, you It's, it, it's gonna be like a cheat week, and we're also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at Dino MC on Twitter. What's up, Mitch?
2: What's up? We're actually normally we always cook in. We always have like we'll get the menu set up, and then we'll always cook it at home. This is the first year. I think we're just gonna get everything takeout. Whereas you get appetizers, they have like this. You have Famous
0: Dave's out there in Pennsylvania. It's like we- a
2: barbecue we
0: had one not very far from where i am but it closed oh my god that might have been like 10 years ago now but yeah i know what it is
2: yeah so there's it's just a barbecue place but we figure we'll just get a whole bunch of ribs and stuff from there and then we don't even have to cook so we're going to do that this time
0: i don't know you might lose your traeger license (sighs) there's snow i hate smoking in the snow it (laughs) sucks All right. Well, enough about food. It's late here. It's nine o'clock, and I'm getting hungry. I I can't eat this late, guys. So one thing we want to talk about, and this is very quick, five minute max. Stafford, golf, the trade that took place Saturday night. We spent over thirty minutes on Sunday, Sunday brunch, Sunday Sunday brunch, talking about this and really taking a deeper look, but high level. And Dan, I want to go with you just because you weren't able to join us on Sunday. What are your thoughts over here? Whatever way you want to look at it, Stafford, Goff, Lions, Rams, whatever.
1: I want to give my thoughts, but I, want, I have one question first, and then this is directed towards Mitchell over there. I, you know, I, I had like the, the the brother guilt there, man. You know, even though I I knew I had to serve my purpose and you know keep the family hit together here for the 40th birthday, but I dove into the to the Patreon video and seeing what I was missed there, and I caught the first 15 minutes or so, and and Mitch. You seemed like angry about it in the beginning, like, yes. like this this mad Detroit. But then your analysis was like a win win analysis. I thought so. Are you are you angry about this as a Detroit fan, or are you do you like it?
2: I know the Lions are going to screw this up, right? You could give them ten draft picks each year in the first round, and they're going to find a way to screw it up. It's just the Lions' way. But if you take a step back and you look at it, I think it works so well for the Rams and what they're trying to do, and Like the Lions weren't winning with Stafford. I don't think there's a piece they could put around him with the assets they had that would make it work. So you might as well trade him and start the rebuild again. The only problem is the Lions have been rebuilding since like 1956. So odds are it's just not going to work out.
1: All right. So this was more lifetime anger than actual current yes. anger. Fair enough. Fair. I just want, I needed to clarify that for in my mind here. Um, You know, I I like the trade out of the gates. I thought it was a, a win-win there. I think, you know, on the lion's end to Mitch's point, I mean, I think you're you're probably a little scarred, a little jaded, you know, I, I could feel your pain being here in Dallas, not being in a, a big game in 26 years, you know, you, you get a little burned after a while. Um, But we analyzed the Lions. We broke them down, you know, previously. And it, I think there's some hope. You know, I see a plan. It's could you know, could they execute it now is gonna be the key. Um, in the short term, they have Jared Goff. Hopefully he feels wanted. I I thought his his comment was it was a little interesting there. You know, wanted to go someplace where he was wanted when I think what was really wanted was those first round draft picks. Um, but it is all about a rebuild and while they're doing that, they have a decent quarterback. I mean, I'd rather rebuild with Jared Goff at quarterback than Who knows where they could have landed, Mitch? So I I think, you know, in the NFL, you could rebuild pretty quick. It'd be, you know, competitive faster. This this doesn't necessarily have to be a long, long rebuild. So they've got some great draft capital and a quarterback that at least could, should keep them competitive this year, especially if they get that run game going. On the other side, I think the Rams are all chips in to win with Matthew Stafford. Um, he inherits a nice team and coaching staff, but I, I might say it's a marginal upgrade for fantasy football purposes here. Uh, the, the Rams, the Rams are like many of my dynasty teams with like this win now roster and minimal draft capital. Uh, so I like it. You know, I, I think both at least Goff might have some stability for a couple of years, hopefully in dynasty rosters versus we didn't know what was going to happen with him with the Rams. And uh, Stafford is I'd say a marginal upgrade.
0: The move itself in terms of super flex dynasty rankings, I still have Stafford in that tier. And I, I thought about this after we did the Patreon show on Sunday, I misspoke. I said, I had him below Tannehill and Rodgers, I have them all lumped together. I mm-hmm. went back and looked after the fact. It's Stafford, Tua, Rodgers, Tannehill. And then I have them there with, I believe, uh, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson. So I have them up there in that 105, 106 territory. But Mitch, let me ask you a question because the million-dollar question here is what impact does this have on Jared Goff? And what we talked about on Sunday, having less than than 24 hours to really let it sink in and register – Especially me. I said this move was centered around the picks and Jared Goff was an afterthought. He was added in to gain additional draft capital for the Lions and take on that contract. But now you've said everything you've heard. It sounds like Jared Goff might be their guy for at least twenty twenty one.
2: It really sounds like, and I'm still kind of surprised by it because I didn't think anyone would want to go into the season with Jared Goff as their starting quarterback, unless they had to. But with ev- from on The Athletic, Sports Illustrated, Dan Patrick Show, every single thing you hear by a reporter is the Lions wanted Goff. That was a big reason why they went for that trade with the Rams. And so as surprising as it is, in the back of my head, you kind of wonder if that's what they're telling him. Just so when they get into the draft, they have that seventh pick. If the quarterback is there on the board, they take that quarterback and then they can move Goff afterwards. I just don't know if the, because the Lions are playing super nice right now. With Stafford, it was like, hey, we will help you go wherever you want to go. You guys heard that Stafford and McFay were at the same dinner table in Cabo San Lucas, right? When that trade went down.
0: No, I did not hear that. Yes, so that happened. Yes. You
2: know,
1: people just go to tropical islands at the same time while you know in the same organization. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And so I think the Lions are really trying to play nice with their franchise players after kicking, you know, Calvin Johnson retired, they asked for money back. Barry Sanders retired, they asked for money back. So I don't know if they're going to be the team now that tells Jared Goff, hey, we really want you here. And three months later being like, ah, never mind. We really didn't want you here. So it's it's really
0: hard to tell, but Goff's value right now, he's a one-year guy to me.
2: Teddy Bridgewater
0: is where I see him. I I said I have him right around that Sam Darnold range. There are question marks, obviously, but due to his age, we could certainly see his value be being you know recouped there eventually. But again, for more detail and I would say in-depth analysis, mm-hmm. pretty much less than twenty-four hours, but. Less than twelve hours after the news broke, we kicked out over half an hour long discussion and conversation about that trade. So go back; it's on it's on uh, YouTube. It's on the Patreon for free to everybody for that episode. But you know, there's a lot more to to go off here. But we talked about Dan Campbell and the hiring there last week. Talked about Stafford and Goff on Sunday. I can't talk about them anymore. So we're gonna move on here and. Again, we're going to be talking about some of the coaching hires. And I said I was going to give this the Italian flair, right? So up first, uh, Nick Sirianni. I, I think that, that's pretty good. I'd do the hand. It's pretty good. I, hey. So, Dan, because you're all giddy. Again, it's another coaching episode. Nick Sirianni, overall, what are your thoughts? And I know Mitch is just ready to go in on that press <laughs> conference. Yeah.
1: So this was a tough one. And as you know, I, I do get giddy and excited to, to preview head coaches. And then it was like the Philadelphia Eagles dropped on my lap here. And, and, and I just, you know, my disdain for the Eagles is well known. But to give our Dynasty listeners, you know, I, I wanted to be non-biased. So I really dug in and tried to, like, clear all that Philadelphia Eagles disdain out of my mindset here and, and just took a, a broad view, you know. I'm, I'm, I try to sell myself even on this. It's like, all right, hey, why is this a good hire? Why is the Eagles going to go in the right direction? And, you know, here's a team that, you know, has been pretty loyal with their head coaches. You know, they had the Dick Vermeil error, the Coach Reed error. You know, they stuck with those guys and had some very good success. Doug Peterson kind of came out blazing a little bit. It was It was hot for a little while. And then somewhere after that Super Bowl win, man, that ship just sunk here. And then you think, okay, they realize Peterson's not the guy. Who could they bring in to fix this ship? And this wasn't really a splashy hire here. And it really, after all my studying and analysis, I feel like they've landed at like trying to find Frank Reich all over again and recapture that Super Bowl magic. And I'm just, I didn't, I felt very underwhelmed listening to his podcast. You know, when you, when you look at an NFL hire, you got the best of the best in the entire world to search for and then they land at Nick Sirianni who just doesn't really have that experience and I, I'm concerned about the Eagles um I heard on it was uh the GM shuffle with Mike Lombardi he talked about how coach Reich would prep him for this interview and I thought about that and it's like you know if, if someone was to interview in dynasty theory and they knew us it's like hey here's what John Mitch and Dan you know this this is everything you need to know about these guys you know and they come in and they wow us and they were really well prepared I feel like this coach was well prepared for Jeffrey Lurie and what the Eagles were looking for in his in his press conference. Jeffrey Lurie was interesting, where he's saying, you know, they're looking for the best football leader moving forward, not a hot commodity. And this kind of feels like it might be a hot commodity there from the Colts. And he he stated that the interview was only thirty three percent of the de- decision. You know, so it's like thirty three percent is the interview. That's when you get to know what this coach is. And I'm listening to his press quotes of being a passionate guy and my team must be accountable and smart. I felt like he just read out of a book guys. And I just, I'm really concerned that how genuine he is and, you know, saying, Hey, I, Hey coach, have you evaluated the roster? What do you think of Carson Wentz or Jalen hurts? Well, I didn't watch the film yet. I really don't know. I got to evaluate this entire roster. Did he, to me, now you're just giving us canned answers here, and you didn't even like. You're gonna tell me you didn't study the film to interview for the Philadelphia Eagles, so you could tell them what you think about Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. So, I already don't trust the guy. Uh, you know, if you're a Jalen Rager guy and you're hoping this is the time, you know, he said he was gonna he, he was gonna use Rager on some of uh, their packages with their skill set. Like that, I didn't even really get a glowing endorsement there for Rager. So, guys, I'm concerned, man. I think they're looking for a Frank Lutwright Lep- clone. He doesn't have a lot of experience, and and I, I can overlook that experience. We're going to talk about the Chargers later, and to me, these were two night-and-day press conferences and coaching
0: scenarios from here to the Eagles. Before I turn it over to Mitch, because I'm going to kick back and relax, I think, while Mitch goes <laughs> off, there are a few things I want to say, and Dan, you talked about it a little bit. Doug Peterson, Frank Reich was his OC. Frank Reich goes to Indianapolis. Nick Sirianni is Frank Reich's OC, Sirianni, goes back to the, the, well, goes to the Eagles. It's just a big circle within that Doug Peterson tree, which really threw me for a loop. But like you said, clearly he was prepped for that interview. So at that point, I got to start to question, was he just spewing BS that he knew Lori wanted to hear?
1: And I could see, I could see that. And, you know, I'm thinking, hey, am I over like analyzing this press conference and digging too deep into these words. But, you know, I, Jeffrey Lurie, just saying, you know, you know, trust being the big requisite and the last five years we want that culture back. And I just didn't get anything there to feel other than Frank Reich and coach Sirianni just, he mentioned Frank Reich a lot. Unfortunately, Frank Reich's not coming with him and in, in this job. Uh, so I, I think he's in trouble, man. And it's still concerned.
0: I mean, it's kind of what we see in Dallas whenever Jerry Jones brings these coaches in the, the puppet master, right? He He's really, yeah, you have a head coach by name, but there's other things going on above him. So one thing I want to say, because I would be very upset with myself if I didn't go over this, but looking at the way the positions were used in the passing game. So the Philadelphia Eagles in 2020, 60% pass rate, 16% target share to running backs. 28% target share to tight ends. None of that really surprises us. If, if you watch any of the Eagles, Sirianni, again, three years in Indianapolis. Three years? Three years. 52% and 54% pass rate just over the last two years. 25% target share to the running backs last year. So an uptick there from what we saw in Philadelphia. And then 26, 27, and 21% for the tight end target share. So for my thought, my expectation for what we're going to see here in 2021, based on this very small sample size, so I'm not saying it can't stray one way or the other, but running back usage in the passing game, potentially an uptick. And then what we're going to see from the tight ends, I think the overall target share might come down, but hopefully for Dallas Goddard's sake, Zach Ertz is not a Philadelphia Eagle, and I love Zach Ertz, but for Dallas Goddard, for his stock, I I hope that changes. All right, Mitch, the floor is yours. You're making it like I hate this guy, and I really don't. (laughs) Like,
2: I don't really hate him,
0: but... (laughs) I I got all this build up here and you're going to be like, no, it wasn't that bad.
2: No, the problem was with the press conference, right? There was a lot of people on Twitter that were like, Hey, you know, it was his first time. I have a hard time speaking in public, so I'm not going to hate on him for it, but it's not our jobs. It's not our day jobs to be a leader of men and to be able to talk to the media and do it eloquently. And so you could deliver your message to your fans. If you can't do that, That's a huge strike against you, in my opinion, already. I mean, you could be as nervous as you want, but I don't want a head coach of an NFL franchise to be nervous talking on Skype. It's not even like he was in a room with people. He was talking to a computer at that point. And so that was my first big thing. And then when you look at the Eagles, I think there's two franchises right now that the whole franchise is an issue, and it's the Eagles and it's the Texans. And so you're going to want a culture change coming in. I don't see how you could have a culture change when you're just bringing in someone else who's just a repeat of what you just had. I
1: don't- Jeffrey Lurie said he wanted to continue the culture, Mitch, of the last five
2: years. I I don't understand it. And then just like Dan was saying, every question he was asked, it was just coach speak. This was him saying, I don't want to give a competitive advantage without saying it, but he repeated the same things. 50 times during the press conference. And while I know we can't always listen, you know, press conferences, it's your first time to sell yourself to the team. If you can't do that on your first one, I don't see how this is going to work when you're four and six, you know, going into week 11. And then the team's like, yeah, dude, I'm not going to listen to you at this point. I'm giving him the benefit
0: of the doubt. Clearly more than Mitch and clearly more than most people on Twitter with the fact that he stumbled his way through that press conference, he did. He 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 struggled, and I said I, I put out a tweet, and kind of joking about it, but a serious situation. I said when I was a freshman in college, clearly the same thing. John Bauer, fr- John Bauer, freshman public speaking class at Robert Morris University, in in Moon Township, Pennsylvania, and Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, same thing, but I said. I, I had to give a speech, two speeches in the first class. The first one I got a 40% on. I was absolutely horrendous, touching my face the whole time, um, 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 p- going back and forth. Awful. I didn't show up for the second speech. I, saw, I said, seriously, I took a zero. I said, I'm not coming back. That was, and we, had to, we had to videotape ourselves, and I am trying to find that VHS. It's on a VHS because <laughs> I would love to go back and watch it. But again, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt a little bit, but I, I know the situation. He's not in a freshman year public speaking course.
1: It just felt he was in over his head, you know. And I even watched. A, he did a one-on-one interview with one of the Eagles because I, I was just looking for more. I was like, "Is it? You know, is, who is this guy?" And, and he was maybe a little more comfortable in a one-on-one, but was still just kind of textbook. You know, I remember taking my first head coaching job, and I was I had that opportunity before I was even ready to be a head coach. Trust me, but it wasn't at it. A level this high? Again, you have the pick of the litter here of the National Football League, and, you know, asking one of the common questions reporters ask is, you know, how are you going to gain the respect of these players, especially when you're a young coach? And he just kept going back to, well, I think I said it before, my five core values, I mean, again, just verbatim canned answers, and uh, I'm a little concerned with the Eagles management, and that's where they landed and wanted to adapt that culture. It could be a very long three years, you know, if they extend the leash for him a little bit. Maybe. Hopefully not though. I mean
0: wish him the best. Mitch, who gave more canned answers, Nick Sirianni or Dan Campbell? Because Dan Campbell, his press conference was so by the book. It was extremely by the book. But the funny
2: thing is, is it's not that it was just by the book. Because we talked about, oh, the Falcons
0: head coach's name is escaping me right Arthur now. Arthur Smith, you you forget yeah. it every, every week. I do.
2: I mean, Arthur Smith, that's not a head coach's name. That's like a history teacher at some like junior high school. But, I mean, he had canned answers too. But you could tell, like, he... His mind is about football. And you could just tell that he could go in front of a room and be able to diagnose and be like, no, you need to do this. You need to do that. You could tell he's ready to be a head coach. I don't know how any of us could see a press conference or anything that Nick Seriani has done so far and being like, you know, that's who I want. And we could all be wrong in three years and he could be a great head coach. But right now, if you look at that franchise as a whole, we're going to go through the position players now I don't know how many of them I want. Well, before yeah, we get
0: to – oh, go ahead, Dan. If
1: I, if I could just add, John, to you, you have me going back here to my notes on Campbell from our previous episode and just looking. You know, there's always a little bit of that natural coaches speak that could be canned answers in hear. but at least Dan Campbell let us know who Dan Campbell is a little bit before. You know, he talked about that Parcells influence and how he connected with the GM and really gave some genuine stories and at least let us behind the curtain a little bit to Dan, you know, was, the type of coach they're getting.
0: More lines. I love it. But there was a ton of sarcasm when I said that Dan Campbell gave canned answers because he's talking about biting fricking kneecaps. But um, <laughs> no, so one last thing before we get to the players, new offensive coordinator Shane Steichen, quarterback coach in San Diego, then Los Angeles 2016 to 2019, interim offensive coordinator, second half of 2019, and then the OC in Los Angeles in 2020. So him and Sirianni go back to the Chargers 2016, 2017. Sirianni was the wide receiver coach. So does that maybe, you know, so let, let's get into the players here, but let's start with the wide receiver core. Then really all it is is Jalen Rager, because we could talk about Travis Fulga. We could talk about all Sean Jeffrey. Not exactly sure what we're going to do there. You know, is he going to be there Deshaun Jackson, but Jalen Rager, does Sirianni having that wide receiver coaching history, give us any sense of hope here? Because right now, I don't know if you could get a second round rookie pick in super flex drafts for Jalen Rager. <sighs> See, we don't know what the
1: Eagles are doing right now. I mean nobody uh, nobody does. You know, you know, what what direction do you ultimately go with in that quarterback room? I mean, you know, is it hey, we're gonna invest in Wentz for a little bit longer while Hertz develops, or could we get something for Carson Wentz? And then now it's all chips in on Jalen hurts and maybe we get some draft capital to help this rebuild a little bit. You know, I would be encouraged if there's anything positive about this coach is he was a sponge to Frank Reich. Although we got the five core values. I love that. Nice one, Ben. But um, you know, you, if he was a sponge to Frank Reich, we know he's a good offensive coach, Reich, You know, so he's probably going to bring in some good offensive philosophies here. If they could trade Wentz and get some draft capital and fix that O-line. We know that O-line needs fixing. You know, maybe that helps Miles Sanders a little bit. And then Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, hey, he could scramble, he could run if we could improve that receiving court. They've got some offensive weapons there. Dallas Goddard, I love. I think I think he's a phenomenal tight end. You know, they, they just need to protect longer and get some conviction in that quarterback situation. I think the team will still be in trouble, which could be good for fantasy in that I think the impact of losing defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz is a very underrated thing that no one's talking about. I think he was the glue that kept that mess of an Eagles team together competitive a little bit. You know, He really did a lot with that defensive. I think he should be a head coach in the NFL again, be honest with you. I, I think he's one of the better coaches in football, and that's going to be a big loss. So there could be
0: some shootouts there in Philly maybe. Mitch is like, please, no more Jim Schwartz as a head coach.
2: Honestly, I think he was the exact coach the Lions needed at that point. He got his first turn. I think he would actually be a really good second-time head coach. Okay.
0: But well, maybe wrong. Yeah, about
2: Rager real quick, and I just want to say it's a little bit of a prelude to my final thought tonight. But if as soon as MFL loads up the draft picks, you know, your leagues roll over, and if you have a 206 through a 212, I'm more than happy to send that out for Jalen Rager at this point. He is at such a discount. And he kind of did what we expect rookie wide receivers to do now, right? But since Justin Jefferson went, he was so good. C.D. Um, Lamb Lamb was so good. But go look at what the rookie wide receivers did. What was it, 2018? I don't think there was one that had over like 400 yards receiving. Is there 2018 or 2019? I can't remember which year it was. But that's kind of what we expect rookie wide receivers to do. And Jalen Rager was hurt for half the year. And so I'm more than happy because they don't have anybody
0: else. And so I really like him at his discount right now. And then looking at the splits and the usage that I talked about, Sirianni coming from the the Frank Reich school of thought there, where they were really feeding the tight ends for three straight seasons there. And then obviously we saw it in Philadelphia, but Dallas Goddard, I think we're going to see heavy usage. And I think he's one guy that could really... Propel himself into that next tier, so I have him, you know, after maybe five tight ends, solidly behind five, but he could get up there. I would say just behind the the Kittle, the Waller, and the the Travis Kelsey. But then again, Shane Steichen, quarterback coach for the Chargers, Sirianni. We saw what they did with running backs in the passing game. You have two minds coming together that had a pretty similar philosophy, either Miles Sanders or Boston Scott, I think they're going to start to see an uptick in the passing game. I can definitely see it. My worry is running back by committee. I mean,
2: the Colts running back by committee, no matter how good Jonathan Taylor was, the Eagles kind of have been. Deuce Staley is gone, and he was the guy pushing for Miles Sanders. The Chargers have been uh, running back by committee for how long now, since they had
0: LaDain Lee Tollinson, probably. I I don't know. No, Melvin Gordon, he got a majority of the workload when he was there. Kind of.
2: Yeah, he did. He got a lot of workload. You're right. And then Eckler
0: only only
2: didn't get it because
0: of injury last year.
2: He never really got the bell cow workload. Like Eckler never got the 80% workload that you want. I don't know. So for
0: me, it sounds like you're pivoting off of Miles Sanders, if possible. Yes, I think this is an opportunity to, to acquire. Out. No, I think it's an opportunity to acquire personally at his current value. Now, again, if people have him on the roster, he's worth 25 first round picks. So, you know, that's but <laughs> but it may be in a startup. That's where the value can be found. Uh, Wentz hurts. We've talked about this conversation. It could go either way. But the fact that they've gone this direction, maybe Wentz is their guy here in 2021.
1: Unless they could get something from them. I think they, they still need to right. plug a lot of holes there. Wide receiver, offensive line, defense. They need a lot of help.
2: Yeah, reading everything that we've seen from the Eagles, they haven't came out and said it. But every single move they've made has been Carson Wentz is our guy without actually saying Carson Wentz is our guy. So if they have a, end up moving Wentz, I'll actually be really surprised. I wouldn't be shocked if they can move Hurts
0: and get a late first for him. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all right now. I think there's a better chance, and I've said this before, a better chance that Carson Wentz is their starter and Jalen Hurts can sit on the bench as opposed to Jalen Hurts being the starter and Wentz sitting on the bench. Mm -hmm. I don't think that dynamic would really pan out for them. But anyway, guys, anything else here you want to talk about? Uh, uh, Nick Sirianni. I was going to
2: bring up real quick, you know, I've seen a lot of people give like uh, Shane Steichen the... Because he was the quarterback's, or the he was the OC for the Chargers last year. And they've been giving him a lot of credit for Justin Herbert being really good. Right. Which I think is funny because no one gives Anthony Lynn any credit for Justin Herbert being good. But if you go to other teams, and if the team is good, then the head coach gets the credit and the offensive coordinator he doesn't. Like if you go look at the Chiefs, Andy Reid gets all the credit from Mahomes. Bienemy doesn't get any. And so I just think it's this really funny dynamic. And if the head coach doesn't do well, then he doesn't get credit for the rookie quarterback being good. That's exactly but the it. offensive coordinator can. It's
0: just a really, really funny way that we look at things. All right. So moving on here, the Los Angeles chargers. So we're talking about Anthony Lynn. We're talking about Shane Steichen, you know, we're throwing all these names out and then it goes to the chargers. So it seems like all these teams, they're all intertwined. You have this guy going here, but then that guy's going back to that team. All this crazy stuff. And Mitch, let's start with you. Brandon Staley. I th- This could be a five-second segment here.
2: Well, the good thing, so listening to his press conference, his went, so most of them are only about 30 to 45 minutes long. His went for an hour and a half about the same length that Dan Campbell's went for. And he actually was a quarterback in college. He started two years for Dayton, I believe. And then he went to graduate school. Then he became, you know, he was a defensive guy after that. So he has knowledge on both sides of the ball. So that looks really good. And then just the way that you hear him talk, he is a player's coach through and through. I mean, he's talking, I want relationships. I want relationships. I want relationships. That's his main thing before they even talk about anything else. And then it's fundamentals and then it's scheme. And so listening to him, he's someone who you could see the players immediately buying into. And they're like, I will do whatever I need to for this guy, which is what we saw with the Rams. With the Rams, we saw that defense. They had two good players, maybe three if you want to include Leonard Floyd. But besides that, they had maybe three good players and a whole bunch of third round picks. And those third-round picks played amazing. And so I think looking at this Chargers team, the problem we've always seen with the Chargers, and this is going back definitely till the dame thompson times, what, what happens every single year? They're really good, but they lose close games. I mean, it doesn't matter who's behind center. It doesn't matter who they're playing against. They will just lose close games. So if he could find a way to change that, have the players believe that they will win those games, I think this team could end up being very,
0: very good really quickly. And it's going to be a fun offense, which is exactly what we want for fantasy purposes. Dan, before I turn it over to you, I'm going to give my quick little minute elevator pitch breakdown here. What we saw from Anthony Lynn when he was the head coach, and obviously we talked about Shane Steichen being involved there, 56, 62, 57% pass rate. So a little bit more pass friendly, but again, some of that comes down to the defense and what they were forced to do. 27, 30 and 25% running back target share, 14%, 16%, 20% tight end target share. Some of that is attributed to the fact that Hunter Henry was hurt for, you know, chunks of the season, but now you have, and I'm going to kind of jump the gun just a little bit, but Dan, you can go back to Brandon Staley, but Joe Lombardi coming in as the O.C., in oh wow we got to go way back guys and this is detroit lions 2014 2015 26 27 running back target share 13 16 target share for tight ends 69 and 60 pass rate so if we can take any of that away hopefully a slight uptick in the passing rate you don't think so you, don't you think take so? it away
2: I'll, I'll get into my joe lombardi thing after this i no, do not no. think he's going to be a good offensive
0: coordinator again Hey, I'm just throwing the facts out. I know. I'm, I know th- there is no agenda here. It is just showing what was done. And again, this is years ago, especially after 2020. Everything feels like a hundred years ago, but it was 2014, 2015. So some time has passed, but I did jump the gun. And Dan's like, JB, I want to talk about coach Staley.
1: Oh, I want to talk about it all. JB. I am <laughs> loving the lightning bolts, man. I am loving the lightning bolts. and. and lombardi's the wild card and i do look forward to Mm us working our way back to that and and diving in there because that is my one big question mark but the chargers to me right now you know we look we go back a year you know we're doing these team previews a year ago and there were certain teams that we saw as potentially trending up you know the, the the raiders were growing a little bit the browns the dolphins like they were doing those things that we saw hey they're going in a, in a positive direction. The Carolina Panthers, um, you know, so we're watching those organizations carefully. And it's the same thing for me with the Chargers. Now, here's an organization that's had their challenges throughout the years, all right? They're, they're 0-1 in Super Bowls. The Phillip Rivers era came out empty. You know, they've really, other than Marty Schottenheimer, this team hasn't found that magic wand. But, you know, Mitch mentions the, you know, Campbell interview. This interview was an hour and some minutes. That's because there was some meat to it, man. Like mm-hmm. these owners and GMs and coaches, they are so well thought out and calculated. Where that's kind of telling me how we're separating from the Philadelphia Eagles, where it was just lacking substance on so many levels from the top down. The president of football operations, John Spanos, man, like he—he's—he got me pumped up out of the gate talking about looking for a coach with vision on all three phases of the game, not just the best coordinator. Talk about having no bias going into this, which I thought was really interesting. Everything I've learned in my professional career, and I've been well-trained on the interview process and, and screening candidates and looking for fit – I'm listening to these guys talk, him and GM Tom Telesco, and it was like verbatim. Like these guys are studying, and I think they're really determined to get it right. And in the last few years, Chargers have had some good rosters. You you said it, JB. They they are competitive. They're close. They're winning games, and they just something just kind of falls apart. But I think they're starting to figure it out, man. Tom Telesco says, you know, they were looking for, you know, success. They noted the Steelers hiring three coaches in their histories, all in the age of age 30s. And they mentioned Tomlin being, you know, his example and spending Tony Dungy spending six weeks with him and saying this guy is going to be a very successful head coach. And they were realistic. They says, you know, we're not comparing him to Coach Tomlin, but there are similarities. And I saw it. And Brandon Staley, man, he is right out of that Sean McVay mold. We all love McVay. He goes into that press conference just like McVay does. If you guys were the, the reporters right now, you'd be answering your questions. And, and yes, John, first name basis. Yep, Mitch, that's a good question, Mitch. Like the respect level and putting people on a first name basis, like you could tell how sharp and smart this guy was. Overcame cancer, great story. You know, he's been under McVay. He's been under Vic Fangio. So he's got a little bit of a coaching tree there, which is good. Played quarterback in college, which is really nice. Uh, I like the pe- fact that he came from a JUCO Hutchinson college. Uh, you know, I work at Lackawanna college. We're one of the best JUCOs on the East coast. If you travel out West, Kansas, Hutchinson is a perennial powerhouse JUCO. So he came from a real awesome JUCO where Cordell Patterson was and some really talented dudes, man, that come there because football is their life. And he just, you know, he goes to be a GA at Tennessee and just, he's got that coach and pedigree and path that you really do believe he was meant for this moment. And, um, He was, you know, he, Sirianni, he's like, Hey, I'm looking for good coaches. And Staley's like, no, I'm looking for great coaches, but you just see all the differences in in what they're doing. And I really do believe this guy's meant to be a head coach, very intelligent, very well researched by the organization. And that will take me back to Mitchell and Lombardi. That was the only thing that I was a little bit underwhelmed with. It's like of all the coaches and offensive coordinators you could bring in, you, you bring in a guy that had one stint with the lions and it wasn't that great of a stint.
0: Here, really quick, before Mitch gives us the breakdown on Joe Lombardi, I have a I have a serious and very important question for Mitch. So we're talking about the the length and the time that these coaching uh press conferences have taken. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing these guys an hour and fifteen minutes, some forty-five minutes. Do you think there would be a shot in hell that Dan or myself would come in under like two and a half hours? <laughs>
2: Oh no, that see, that's the thing is like they'll do 30 minutes of them just talking at first before they even get to the question and answer portion of it. You guys would go for a good solid three and three and a half,
0: and then the questions would start flowing in. It would be like it would be like, uh, we got a break here before questions. It's dinner time. All right, Mitch, Joe Lombardi. You you know, again, as I'm going through what we've seen historically mm-hmm. in his short stint wedged in between the quarterback coach for New Orleans 2009 to 13, back again, 16 to 2020, but you're a little skeptical. And again, maybe this is just you being a negative Lions fan. It could definitely be. I mean,
2: so we have to remember with that Lions team, they had Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford, Reggie Bush. He came in and he acted like Matthew Stafford was Drew Brees. He didn't throw anything deep that completely went out the window. And so here is a quote from Dan Orlovsky talking about his time. He said, he kept calling the plays that the Saints would be very good at. The Lions and Matthew Stafford weren't, but he kept calling it because that's all he knew. One, that's all he knew. Two, he saw it be successful somewhere else. And he's like, no, I've seen this work. I've seen it work. He lasted a year and a half under Jim Caldwell. Anyone who knows Jim Caldwell, Jim Caldwell is like a guy who will keep you on for as long as humanly possible until it's like, look, this just isn't working out anymore. And so my biggest worry is you see Justin Herbert, a guy who can make any throw, who has an arm that's borderline as close to Stafford. I mean, really close. He's extremely athletic. I'm very, very worried that Lombardi's going to come in, try to do the same things that Breeze did, and he's not going to push the ball down the field. Then all of a sudden, Mike Williams is going to be useless. Keenan Allen will be a god. You know, Austin Eckler will be amazing. But if they play it 20, 25 yards down the field, it's going to absolutely kill Justin Herbert's upside. And that's my biggest worry with this, is seeing what happened in the past. Hopefully he's learned and he's changed his ways. But I don't know, when someone's a system...
0: Offensive coordinator, usually they stay with that system. Nobody wants to hear Mitch say he's worried about Justin Herbert, especially me, who's been pulling that trigger mid first in mm-hmm. Superflex startups this year. I don't want to hear that garbage, Mitch. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I think
1: we'll be okay, JB. I think, you know, the concern is, you know, his trajectory might be stunted a little bit if this Lombardi you know doesn't come out of the gates great and then learn from his past experience what i'm hoping mitch is you know he's one of those coaches that did learn from his mistakes i mean i, I think for sean payton to take him back and be drew Brees' quarterback coach for mm-hmm. the last you know four years after a previous stint, he, he has to be doing something right and then i think the supervision of coach um I'm still learning these names here. Staley, I got to get used to this. Coach, a new name. We like that. Um, Hopefully Coach Staley having that offensive background as well, being a quarterback in the past was, hey, no, we need to run it this way and uh, provide some checks and balances for that Chargers offense to just take off.
2: I can see that happening too. I actually think within two or three years, Brandon Staley might be looked at as a better coach than the one who plays in the same stadium that he's going to be playing in each week.
1: It's a nice short move for him. That's ideal.
0: He just has to move down the hallway. (laughs)
2: Exactly. (laughs) He's down
0: one floor. Right. We don't really, again, Brandon Staley, so much unknown. Joe Lombardi, yeah, he's been in the league as a quarterbacks coach. But that two-year stint, one-and-a-half-year stint, mm -hmm. as the Lions offensive coordinator, that was many moons ago. So I don't even really know if we're going to break down Herbert Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry is a free agent, so we don't really know what they're going to do with the tight end position. They have the 13th overall pick, so there's plenty of directions they could go there. But I just think if we were going to strictly look at the usage, and I know that's obviously a bulletproof plan, right? Yes. yes. Right. It's going to be flawed a little bit, of course, but that's all we have to go off of. So my thought would be, Austin Eckler still heavily involved in the passing game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I don't see that changing. Tight end. Who's the tight end going to be? If they're bringing back Antonio Gates for another (laughs) season, that guy, I feel like he's retired 10 times and comes back, but then that target share is going to be diminished. And then we'll see how the overall pass rate looks. But I think things could look fairly similar in terms of a usage standpoint.
1: What's very good, j b is unlike philadelphia who we who we previously talked about. This coach and staff, Coach Staley and Coach Lombardi, did watch the film on these guys and spoke very highly, one, yes. about their franchise quarterback, two, about Eckler. Lombardi was comparing him to all the running backs, like the Darren Sproles that he's coached before. So he already envisions a role for him. And they were very excited, I think, about Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I can't recall if they mentioned Hunter Henry or not, maybe not because yeah. he is a free agent. So they're, they're smart. You know, they've, they've done their homework on their team. So good signs for this Chargers offense.
0: How could I forget about the darling, the Twitter darling, Donald Parham? I'm sorry, Owen. He mentioned that in the chat. Yes. The, the tight end still on the roster. Donald Parham. We'll see if he has a role here. I know a lot of people have him stashed in deeper tight end premium leagues looking for, for him to hit my biggest thing with this coaching staff. Just do not ruin Justin Herbert, (laughs) please. (laughs) That, That that's all I want. Don't ruin him. I think everything else, Keenan Allen, all systems go Austin Eckler, all systems go. And Dan, I love the fact that you brought up Darren Sproles, somebody that Joe Lombardi was able to be involved with throughout, uh, you know, in in his past. So I'm glad that you brought that up because Eckler, obviously, somebody that can be utilized in the past. I mean,
2: you could yeah. just look at Kamara. I think Eckler is going to play the Kamara role, and I think it's really close to that. They're going to have you know a bigger back in there, just to pound it out five, ten times a game, like what Latavius Murray did for the Saints. But I think Eckler is going to be amazing this year because you're going to get the age discount. We know that's going to happen now in Dynasty, and so if you can get any sort of discount on him at all, I think that's a great move to make.
1: Yeah, Lombardi did mention Kamara uh, as well. Like he, I think there was three running backs. I forget the third one it was Sproles, Kamara. There was another you know shifty back that did a little bit of everything. So they emphasize him. Great sign.
0: As long as he gets that target share, which we you know, that disappeared at times last year. Some of it with Tyrod Taylor quarterback, but we just want to see that continue. And before we get to our final thoughts, Mitch, have you done a complete 180 last off season? I don't want anything to do with Austin Eckler, but you're okay with him now. I didn't want him because of Tyrod Taylor. We
2: went over this. I know it's dynasty, but I thought Tyrod Taylor wouldn't get like his lung punctured by the by the doctors in Los Angeles. That was my fault. I should have foreseen that because Anthony Lynn was going to play Tyrod Taylor all season if he could. Uh, so, listen, yeah, if
0: Tyrod Taylor's lung being punctured wasn't in your forecast <laughs> for 2020, I don't know if you even pay attention to football. My but own. anyway, I think that's some good analysis there on Nick Sariani and uh, Brandon Staley talking about the offensive coordinators coming in. Again, all brand new first-time head coaches. Yeah, some uh, interim head coaching experience along the way just in general for these seven new head coaches but next week Dan it is going to be our grand finale of our coaching carousel series and we're going to be going over who do we got Texans Jets Jacksonville Jacksonville so we'll (sighs) be able to dive into that a little bit that's a lot of dysfunction. A lot of dysfunction. That's going to be the word of the night. A lot of dysfunction. But you know where there's not going to be dysfunction?
2: Final thoughts.
0: And Dan's final thoughts. No dysfunction, Dan.
1: First, I'm excited about Mitch's final thoughts tonight. Not only does he have final thoughts, but he gave (laughs) us a
0: prelude
1: to them earlier. That is rare. So I'm looking forward to that. My final thoughts is, is I am ready now to take that next step in the dynasty season. here. Senior Bowl pass, Hula Bowl past. Keep an eye out for more NFL draft content that's going to be released in upcoming weeks and uh, dive into some rankings. So I'm excited to watch some film and, and get there, but not until the Chiefs edge out the Buccaneers in overtime to, to, to win the Super Bowl. And I think Mahomes uh, takes it back to back. So I'm excited.
0: I don't care who wins. I hope it's exciting. I hope it's high scoring and I hope it's close. Besides that, I don't care. Mitch, what are your final thoughts?
2: So mine's just um, after the Super Bowl is when my fantasy league will roll over or be able to roll over to the 21 season. So I would actually recommend anybody who's in one of those leagues right now, don't bother trading for draft picks for the next week. Just hold off because there's a chance to where you're reading it wrong and you're thinking you're trading for the 105 and it's really the 107 or maybe it's really the 106. One week's time isn't going to make a difference in anything. So I personally, I'm not going to try to trade for a pick until rollover happens. I see what that pick says exactly on MFL, because there's been a lot of times to where I've seen commissioners put the message board up. And then they'll throw out the draft picks. And then some will be like, no, that's not right. And they won't say anything until after the rollover happens. So the commissioner has to go back in and fix everything. So I'm just saying just...
0: Let the rollover go through, then start trading for draft picks. Uh, It's funny you brought that up late last week in the Patreon discord chat. We were talking about Josh Jacobs and 104, 105, 106. Could we land that? So I said kind of as an experiment, what I typically do when we have a conversation like that, I go out and I blast a ton of offers like that. And in one league, it's not a safe league or anything like that. All the draft picks are on a spreadsheet. They were correct on the spreadsheet, but it had the name of the team that had it and then the name of the team that currently has it. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the wrong column. So I sent an offer out of Josh Jacobs for what I thought was the 104. It was the 109. The manager did not respond to it. I revoked it. He sends me a message and says, Hey, John, uh, you know, I just saw you revoke the offer. If you wanted, I'm still good. Josh Jacobs for the one Oh nine. And I said, Whoa, 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 Whoa. What do you mean the one Oh nine?
2: That's awesome.
0: I said, no, no, it's the one Oh four. So I went back and looked lo and behold, it was the one Oh nine. So that is actually a very good little tidbit. You know, a lot of leagues, they have it posted and it, it's automated. And you know, a lot of the safe leagues, I would say those are fairly trustworthy, but these one-off leagues, Some of it, even user error, which in that case it was. So be very careful. And I like that. Just wait for the leagues to roll over. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. If you enjoy the show and are looking for exclusive bonus content, come over to Patreon.com backslash Dynasty Dynasty, Dynasty Theory. Stay safe. Be kind to each other. Enjoy the Super Bowl and have a fantastic night. See everybody.